Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we enter into your presence with great expectation. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So by now, you have figured out the theme of today, lost and found, things that are lost and things that are found. All of us, or most of us, many of us, I should say, have a story about a lost pet. This is Kelly and I's story about a lost pet. We had a pair of Boston Terriers, a male and a female. The female was our alpha dog. Her name was GC. She was one of those domineering, uh, self-focused, and independent little dogs. And then our male, which we, we named Thunder, was one of those sweet little guys, a follower, loyal, eager to please. GC, the female, was also one of those escape artists, right? The one that it never fails. If there's an open door, she's gone. Or if the gate's open, or even if she's out in the front yard with us and she wanders off and then pretty soon we can't find her. So we learned early on that we needed to keep a a collar on her with a tag that had our name and our number. And, And most of the time, she was only gone for a few hours. We'd get a call from somebody or... Worse, a call from doggy jail to go bail her out if she (laughs) ran into the dog catcher. One day I had bathed her and put her out in the backyard and I hadn't put her collar back on. And then I went to the store and while I was gone to the store, one of those uh, kind of freak storms blew in. And when it did, I think it startled her and frightened her and so she dug out underneath the fence and was gone. We looked everywhere for her. We drove up and down the streets, we walked, we got on bicycles, we called her name, we could not find her anywhere. We eventually put up flyers in the neighborhood hoping someone would have spotted her, but to no avail. We were brokenhearted, we were upset, our kids were upset, but more importantly, Little Thunder was upset. During the time of her being missing, he um, lost interest in eating. He didn't want to uh, be petted. He moped around all day. He truly, truly missed her in a way that, that only a loyal dog could. And eventually, after the days turned into weeks and then weeks turned into a month, uh, Thunder began to realize that perhaps, as we did, we might never see GC again, and so we might move on with our life. And then one day the doorbell rang and there was my neighbor and standing at, G- at her feet was GC. There she was. Or my neighbor had seen her wandering the streets. She had a collar on. Evidently somebody had tried to make her a pet and yet she got out of their backyard and was on her way home. So we were thrilled. We were excited. We opened the door. We welcomed her in. GC, we were so excited to see you. I called Thunder. I said, Thunder, come and see who's home. Thunder rounded the corner of our hallway and was headed up. At first, he was excited to see GC. And then about halfway down, he stopped dead in his tracks. He looked at her. He snorted. And then he turned his back and went the opposite way. He snubbed her. And he snubbed her for an entire week. Jesus has been attracting all sorts of people as he travels along this journey towards Jerusalem. Gathering around him were people of all sorts, people who came to listen to what he had to say. 
Also gathering around him were those who came to, gu- to grumble and to snub the tax collectors and the sinners who came to listen. Let us read uh, this story uh, that Luke takes count of in the 15th chapter, beginning at verse 1 through 10. Listen now to the evangelist's word. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until it is found? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder and rejoices. And when he comes home... He calls together his friends and neighbors and saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, that will be more, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need to repent. So, or what woman, having ten silver coins... Uh, If she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the floor or the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. So during the month of September, we've been talking about disturbing stories that Jesus tells. And for many of us, this parable about a lost sheep or a lost coin is anything but disturbing. Those of us who uh, come to church all the time, we find this to be comforting. There is something comforting about a shepherd that takes care of the flock In this kind of way, this shepherd has been the um, subject of our hymns, of our psalms, and even of our artwork. If you look around this sanctuary, you will find uh, at least two windows that have the shepherd and the sheep around them. If you look on our uh, pews down here, we see emblems of the sheep. These things uh, that we find in this sanctuary... Most of us are comforting items. They bring us a sense of security. For generations, the interpreters have told us that they imagine that the sheep is some believer who has gone astray, and that the shepherd is Jesus who will chase after that believer. And those who gather for the party and the celebration represent the church who celebrates when a wayward sinner comes back home. And this is good news. It certainly makes us feel good. It's a nice image. But it seems to have lost its provocative punch for those of us who are way too familiar with this parable. So we find ourselves saying, what exactly is it about this story that will continue to challenge us? I think we have to dig a little bit deeper. Perhaps what is disturbing about this story is not the parable so much as the setting in which they are given. 
by now, the crowds that have gathered around Jesus are falling into two groups, according to the evangelist Luke. The first group are those who come near to listen. But the second group is those who grumble and criticize. Jesus overhears these concerns of the grumblers, and then he acknowledges their concern with these two parables about lost sheep and coins. A.J. Levine is the author of the, uh, the study that we're doing on Wednesday night at Reconnect, and she would say that these parables are not exactly about lost believers and a gentle Savior that gathers them in and a, the church rallying around the found sheep, but rather it might be a story about paying attention to who's lost, who is not among us, who is missing from among us. And she may have a point. But still, I think there's even a deeper message if we discern this parable closely. This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them, the grumblers say. Of course, they're talking about Jesus as the fellower, and they're talking about the fact that he is beginning to draw crowds of unwelcome and undesirable kind of people to learn from him. And he even goes and eats dinners and meals with them. I imagine that these people are, are the sorts that might rub us the wrong way, the kind that make us uncomfortable or threaten us or even might cause us harm. Bullies, terrorists, unfaithful friends or spouses, or even greedy opportunists that take advantage of our young and our elderly. The challenge then, according to Luke, is that the undesirables are the ones who listen to Jesus. And it's the grumblers who should be listening to everything that Jesus says. I can only imagine how Jesus must have felt when he hears their grumbling and he gets this smile on his face and he begins to talk about the lost and found department. So I found myself asking, who is it, who's lost? Is it the listener or is it the grumbler? Or perhaps a better question that I ask of myself is, am I a grumbler or am I a listener? If I'm honest, I'm all too often the grumbler. I sometimes hold so tightly to my self-righteous uh, uh, world views the way I understand the world and the church most especially should work, that I begin to judge um, the appearance of another's intentions. Unfortunately, in my own insecurities, I can also choke out the work of the Holy Spirit among me, around me, and in my world. I was visiting with a young woman and her uh, 12-year-old daughter. They had come to my office to tell me that they wanted to be a part of the confirmation class. This young woman was sharing with me uh, how she had been hurt by the church in the most recent years, and it had taken her and her four children some time to find a place in which they felt welcome again. 
But she had been attending with her four children our midday children's program, a sacred circle, a time with children. And in that, she found a new place to be accepted and loved. She told me that she had found her church and that she wanted to join. I found myself sitting there listening to her story, one that I hear so often, but also judging it. I wondered, how can you know you want to join this church when you've never sat in worship with us? And it was in that moment that I heard the Holy Spirit call me out. The Holy Spirit said something like, Cassie, worship is not the only entry point into the life of the church. On that particular day, I was the grumbler. And this woman and her daughter... Well, they were the listeners. Jesus tells these twin parables about lost sheep and lost coins to capture the attention of both the grumbler and the listener. He appeals to this common experience of loss. All humans have understood the pain of losing something or someone that has become so precious to us. And our human experience understands the lengths that we will go to just to either hang on to it or to find it. We will overturn every stone we don't want to stop until we find it. And when we do find that one person or that one thing that we have lost, our heart begins to rejoice. And we want to share it with everyone around us. The scripture says that our joy is so loud and so strong that even the angels take note of that joy that comes from our heart. Grumblers and listeners alike are sinners in need of salvation. And each of us have lost our way from time to time, but God has never lost us. God's loving grace never abandons us and will never stop until we find that grace again. And that is worth rejoicing. In the mid-1800s, there was a young foul-mouthed sailor who took to the slave trade between England and Africa. On one of those voyages, the ship came under uh, a, a great storm, began to siege this ship. It tossed it to and fro, and the, and the crew members were casting the water overboard and holding the bow together as best they could as the, the waves beat against it and began to break the ship apart. Our young sailor, who is John Newton, you might recognize his name, he took the helm. He tied himself to the helm, and he held that, that ship as straight as he could. It was during that time holding that helm that he began to remember and to think about how often his mother had shared a sense of faith with him and how he had rejected that. And in that moment of crisis and, and, um, and frightened and scared in that storm, John Newton began to realize that God was present with him and that God would forgive him even in his lost and fractured life. Later in his life, he penned a poem, a poem that we sang this morning, Amazing Grace. 
his work was the uh, most often spontaneous sung hymn after the 9-11-2001 incident. It represents faith and hope and solidarity, which so many of us, unworthy of God's grace, have felt lost in the midst of that horror that we heard on the news that day. Steve Turner was in the middle of writing the autobiography of John Newton and writing about how he came to write that hymn when 9-11 tragedy happened. And he writes this, He says, one of the most poignant images of the shock and grief was that of people of all ages joining hands and locking arms and singing the words, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Friends, there is no more common or humbling human experience than that of feeling lost and alone and abandoned. But for the sake of one, God's love never ends. So call together your friends and celebrate with them. Invite them to worship with you. Tell them, rejoice with me, for once I was lost and now I am found. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.